The following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. You can find us on Twitter at The Rubber Room AU and on the Facebook at MMM Rubber Room. In fact, if you go to the Facebook page, you'll find the story that we're sharing about Angus Young saying to Rolling Stone magazine that maybe the time has come. Let's talk about that. We do what we do best. You know, rock and roll. It worked. It clearly worked so well so quickly it only took them just over six years to become one of the very biggest heavy rock bands that there ever was you'd be lucky if a band had managed to release two albums in six years these days they had a simplicity about them that told its own story we're not talking about music we're not talking about rock and roll we're not talking about groove we're talking about a spirit yeah, what a fantastic band, ACDCR, and your chance to see them on the Rock World Tour as well. But let's uh, start with you, Rod Yates from Rolling Stone magazine. What are your thoughts, mate? It's really interesting because this is, I think, pretty much the first time I've actually seen Angus Young even consider quite seriously retirement. They've always been a very closed shop, ACDC, and they you know, really only comment about things when they want to comment about them. And it's always been very much just about the music, and they're like a, a, you know, a steamroller. They just keep going on and on and on. But this is the first time I've seen him almost look a little bit vulnerable. And I guess it's not hard to see why, with given the last couple of years with all the various member issues they've had and, and people falling by the wayside. It definitely suggests this may be the end of ACDC, but of course we've said that in the past and they've still continued on. And they've managed to get Axel in there to replace Brian. It did seem as though there was a bit of bad blood between those two. And like you say, Angus runs this show, a very tight ship, and also has control over... I mean, it's a bit like Taylor Swift. He has control over everything that goes out. In this case, as you said, it, perhaps it's all just wearing him out a bit. Well, yeah, I mean... Because obviously prior to Malcolm Young leaving, ACDC was very much Malcolm's band and, and he ruled with an iron fist and nothing would get past him. And since he had to leave the band when, when he was diagnosed with dementia, as you said, it's all fallen on Angus's shoulders, I guess. And that would wear you down. And particularly with Cliff Williams, the bass player, announcing recently that he's going to leave as well, I guess it leaves Angus really as the last man standing. And, you know, maybe he thinks it is time to wrap it up. And, and it's not like they're going out on a the low. They're still playing huge gigs. Just a question of whether it's still really ACDC at the moment. Well, that's the problem here is that that, like you say, they're going out on a high, but there's also a tainting of the product with Axel, with what appeared to be bad blood as well with Brian. And as fans, I'm sure we don't want to see it end like this. You know, let's make a nice clean exit if that's what's required. The thing with Axel is everyone was very against him doing this, but the, the footage coming out from those first shows he's done with the band has actually been really good. So and, I believe, yeah. And you could say that, you know, I guess in some ways he sort of saved them at this point in their career, but whether it's a relationship that the fans want to go on and on and actually into the studio, I think that's yet to be determined. We'll keep an eye on the Rolling Stone website as well. Thanks, Rod Yates from Rolling Stone magazine. And Paul Cashmi is on the phone as well from Noise11.com. Angus hasn't said he's officially going to retire, but I can't imagine, with him being the only remaining member, why ACDC would need to continue. I mean, the legacy will just end up in tatters. Well, I didn't understand why they needed to continue when Brian Johnson left. With this one, uh, he is saying that they will continue until the end of this tour. 
making good for all the dates that they put out there. But he's leaving it open to what could potentially happen in the future. And there are a number of options that they could go down the track of, whether they get some uh, earlier members back to uh, do some things. Of course, uh, Mark Evans is uh, very much alive and well and kicking and living in Sydney, one of the very early bass players. And uh, when he left, was replaced by Cliff Williams. You know, there's an option there. Bring Mark back in. Maybe just do an all-singing, all-dancing, whiz-bang tribute to the band as a final whip around the world. Yeah, here's what I think, and I think you may be on the same page as well. Do a final show, maybe get Brian back, do a series of shows, finish up in Australia and go, thank you, ACDC, for millions of memories and good night. That would be what I would consider to be an ideal way to leave the band behind. Wrapping up with an all-singing, all-dancing whiz-bang would be the way to go out of the match. Yeah, although I imagine there's also some ACDC fans who don't want to let go who say, well, look, you know, if you can get a revolving bunch of people in and out, you know, like Brian can come in occasionally, and Axel can do a bit and you know several members of the family can come in and fill in and as you said Mark can come in and do some stuff as well I don't like that idea maybe somebody does well you know let's hope that it doesn't all end with Axel there as the final <laughs> lead singer <laughs> it's like having yeah. Marilyn Manson step in as your lead singer <laughs> that's exactly right I'm going to open some phones on this one triple three five three. do you agree with us that perhaps it would be nice for them to go out on a high or would you like to see it continue One triple three five three. paulnoise11.com the most in insightful and accurate music site there is anywhere on the web. Well, thank you very much for saying that, Phil. As an ACDC fan, how do you feel about that? One triple three five three. Would you like to see it wrap up nicely, or do you just want it to continue and just see what happens in the future? Hey, Phil, how are you, bud? What do you think? Mate, um, I honestly think ACDC passed the air when Bob Scott died. Somebody wrote on the Facebook page they thought the era ended during the Razor's Edge album. Oh, yeah, there's a fight there, but uh, ACDC, Bon Scott, front man, that's where it all started. That's where it ended. Brian Johnson came in, done a great job, but ACDC will always be my feeling, Bon Scott, front. Hey, Sammy, how are you? What do you think? Look, ACDC were great as they were, but um, there's a lot of Guns N' Roses fans who are wondering what's going on with their reunion. Um, since ha- Axel seems to be filling in the spot for ACDC, it doesn't make sense to us either. So you're not happy as a Guns N' Roses fan that he's moonlighting with ACDC? Love them both, and um, you know, but you got to call what it is, and there's this opportunity for Guns N' Roses to be back on the road. Yeah, cool. It'll be equally as good. Hello, John, how are you? G'day, Phil. How are you, bro? What do you think? Mate, I reckon they should wrap up nice and tidy. Yeah. But I reckon there's an interesting twist. Get Dave Evans back. Like I said to Paul Cashmere, you know, they could have a revolving bunch of people in and out of the band. Yeah. But, you know, and then at what stage does it finally limp to its conclusion? Is that what we want? No, absolutely not. We don't want it limping anywhere. Hey, Scott, how are you? ACDC, where are you sitting with this? I reckon they should have retired before they brought Axel Rose in. As yeah. much as I love Guns N' Roses. He's not the right bloke for an ACDC. Nah, I'll tell you who is the front man, or should be, you, man. Nah. <laughs> Listen to that voice, dude. Either, either that or a Tom Waits cover band. Yeah, maybe, but uh, I don't think I'm a very good singer. <laughs> and one more, Dougie, what do you think? I think ACDC should play their final gig at the AFL Grand Final, because there'd be nothing more Australian than that. Well, that's true. I'd love to see a final gig in Australia, if that's what we have to have. And I say that as a very proud bogan from Yarra Valley. Should be proud of yourself. I am. I'm proud of the band too. Got to torture, man. Only Phil, that's who I want to hear. Happy, 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 happy. Best man to love.
Triple M. So let me run this by you, Sammy X. You're at uh, Burger King, right? Yeah. And you've ordered a burger. Right. And the burger isn't what you wanted. Oh, that's disappointing. What do you do? Um, just eat it and get over it. Well, if you're in America, you call 911. Tax Department, how can I help you? I'm over here at Burger King right here in San Clemente. Uh-huh. I'm at a drive through right now. Uh-huh. I ordered my food three times. They're mopping the floor inside, and I understand they're busy. They're not even busy. Okay, I've been the only car here. I asked them four different times to make me a Western barbecue burger. Okay, they keep giving me a hamburger with lettuce, tomato, and cheese, onions. And I said, I'm not leaving. Uh-huh. I want a Western burger. I said, I am not leaving this spot. Uh, and I said, I will call the police because I want my Western burger done right. Ma'am, we're not going to go down there and enforce your Western bacon cheeseburger. What am I supposed to do? You need to calmly and rationally speak to the manager and figure out what to do between you. He did come up, and I said, can I please have my Western burger? Ma'am, then I suggest you get your money back and go somewhere else. You're supposed to be here to protect me. Well, what are we protecting you from, a wrong cheeseburger? Huh. Is this a harmful cheeseburger huh. or something? I don't understand what you want us to do. Just come down here. I'm, I'm not leaving. No, ma'am, I'm not sending the deputies down there over a cheeseburger. <laughs> you need to go in there and act like an adult and either get your I money back and go home. Stop acting like an adult herself. Let's just you get your money back from the manager and you go on your way home. You know, you wonder where Donald Trump gets his attitude from. <laughs> there it is. It was a time when all fought hard and proud. I I remember it well. It was the Battle of McLeod. Hi, Phil. So, um, so far, no nasty letters. No, Not that you're aware of anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Were you ready for tonight's? I think so. Okay, yeah. I'm a huge fan of both of these bands, but we've got to pick one. Okay, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Versus Alice in Chains. Oh, okay. Now you've got me on the fence. It's funny that you said that. I really like both of those bands. That's a hard one. And really hard one, actually. I'm going to take Alice in Chains because I'm a bigger fan of their songs than I am Stone Temple Pilots. Vocally, I like both lead singers as much. I think that the guy from Alice in Chains has got a slightly better voice. Yeah. If you play, is it Man in a Box? Yeah. Oh, man, like that guy, he can sing. Lane Staley v Scott Whelan. Two major singers there. Yeah, okay. Well, I think Scott Whelan does have a pretty cool voice. I really like Stone Temple Pilots. I love that song, Plush. I'm half the man I used to be. And, of course, we're talking about songs and song structure and musicality and all that stuff too. But Man in a Box floored me when I heard that. And I I think I heard a live version. And I heard him sing Man in a Box live. I was like, okay, whatever that is, that's cool. And I want to sing like that too, even though I'm a girl. Okay, what about if you go to the Stone Temple Pilots album tracks or lesser known hits like Sex Type Thing? I mean, that stuff rocks. I don't know that one. It's rocking. Sex type thing. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe. I mean, and of course, Interstate Love Song and, you know, all of the others as well. Uh, you oh, mentioned okay, Plush. So, so I'm going to still, even though I. Is Plush the name of the album? No, Plush was the single. That's the single. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's Interstate Love Song, the one I like. Yeah, yeah. We ripped that and off. And Vaseline. So shut my eyes. Oh, no, never heard that, lawyers. Uh, and <laughs> Vaseline as well. But then Rooster, Man in a Box. Wood. Rooster. Oh, and the, and the bass line for Alice in Chains. When you hear dung, 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 you know it's Alice in Chains. Yeah, right? good, bad. It, that's a really tough one. Compared all right. to all of the others we've had so far, I've got to say I'm 50 50. But I'm, I'm edging like a bee's dick toward Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains by a bee's dick? What do you think about that dick? One, triple, three, five, three. Alice in Chains by an ant's ass. <laughs> never, never Something's wrong, shot the light. Something's wrong, shot the light. Heavy bassoon night. Heavy bassoon night. And the olives are white. Ginger Wars, Ginger Light, Ginger Dragon Spice. Ginger Wars, Ginger Lies, Ginger Dragon Spice. 
in a fig's apple pie. In a fig's apple pie. Mayor. Yeah. Sleep with one eye open, ripping your pillow tights. Excellent light. In tonight. Tape my hen. Rasta never Neverland. My mate Tomo does the puppetry of the penis wristwatch trick really well. Really? Just don't ask him the time though. Right. Here's Tom Odell. What's that smell? It so rings a bell. What's that smell? I know it too well. I recognize it so well. It's Tom Odell. It's Tom Odell. It's Tom Odell. Tom, it's lovely to see you. It's lovely to be back. Now, I don't expect you to remember when we last had a chat, because I'm I'm sure you get that from a lot of people. They go, oh, do you remember me from those... I do remember you very well. Oh, you're just saying that. No, I do. I remember the beard. Do you remember the conversation that we had? Because I'm going to play you something, and I feel that perhaps I've helped your career. Right. I know you look at me sceptically. I'm sure you have. Yes, but have a listen to this. Lots of people have. This is a conversation we had. Listen. There's a very definitive blue to the sky. This part of the world is different to the Northern Hemisphere. The grass is greener in the UK than it is in the Southern Hemisphere. Is that right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And the seagulls have different colored beaks. Is that true? Yeah, well, that's what I've noticed. They have red beaks in Sydney anyway. That's a kind of observation that you would never think of. I'm strangely observant. It's great for songwriting. The Seagulls Have Red Beaks album. This is going to be brilliant. We had that chat, and then you released a song. And I'd just like to say, I mean, you know, I'm not saying this is like Michelle Obama and the speech with Melania, you know, but <laughs> I'm just thinking that perhaps I helped you with a bit of a vision for your song. Because have a listen, having just talked about the sky and the birds and everything, have a listen. See those birds going across the sky, 3,000 miles This is good. This is good. I like this. I like that, you've, I like that you remembered that. Yeah. See, I feel that I helped you a little bit there. I mean, I maybe I'm grasping at the most tenuous of straws. I think but, maybe yeah. I need to adjust the writing credits. On That's the, uh... exactly why I've got you in here. Yeah, Not yeah, to yeah. hear you play a song. Yeah. I went through the writing credits. <laughs> one mention of me in there. <laughs> oh, man, man. We're going to have to go back to the drawing board. No, I think those red beaks. Uh, yesterday I had an hour free and I went down to the harbour. It took my notice again. Because the... you see things from a songwriting point of view and I like that. It's sometimes a burden in some ways because I guess it's like sometimes I'm watching a film or I'm reading a book or something and if something takes my liking I have to write it down I can't just carry on and, yeah, yeah. and enjoy it I can relate to that I do that with my phone I've got notes on my phone yeah, and yeah. if somebody will say something I'm like hang on the thing is and I don't know if you ever have this if you don't write the idea down straight away you forget it it's gone it's gone and you can't bring it back you it's gone it forever unless something reminds you of it but, but even then you've forgotten what it was that it's going to remind you of anyway you know yeah like even this morning like I had all these like phoners to do uh, and I was still in bed it was like sort of half seven or something and so I ordered some breakfast up to the hotel room and I put my coffee cup on the mattress and then just suddenly like the vision of a coffee cup lying on a mattress is one that there's something so sort of vaguely poetic about it. It balances and you have to kind of put it in the right place otherwise you know it's going to go over. And when it does go over, it's a disaster. <laughs> it's just a thing of beauty, man. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. 
You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. I've got to tell you, I'm fascinated by stuff. I mean, you know, I'm in my 50s, but I'm still fascinated by things like I was still 15 years of age. Like sinkholes, for example, because there was one that opened up in uh, suburban Queensland yesterday. Did you see it? I mean, I'm not fascinated by sinkholes enough to want to go and do my washing up in it, but I got Stephen on the phone, who's a geotechnical engineer and a professor at the University of Newcastle. I want to know, seeing as there's been a few sinkholes in the news lately, Stephen, is this something that we should worry about? There's a lot of people reading a lot more into this than there really needs to be. Um, it's very much just a case, I think, we're finding out about more of them. There have probably always been as many in the past, and we're just, we're just more Really? Yes. Because every time I turn on the news now, there seems to be another one, and I don't remember people talking about sinkholes in the past. Once upon a time, if it didn't happen in your backyard or down the local street, you probably didn't hear about it. Um, Now every time a piece of road sort of drops in, somebody puts it on the news and and the whole world knows. What's causing these? All different reasons. Uh, Some of them are latent geological conditions where there's just a hole in the ground and the the roof of the cave falls in. Right. In other cases, there's uh, pipe breaks and it sort of sucks the soil in or, or spits the soil out. Uh, in other cases, it might well be there's an old mine shaft or something where the, the cap falls in. What would cause it to fall in, though? In the case of underground cave systems, it's just that the, uh, the hole gets too big for the roof and the roof can't stand and it drops, and that sort of happens once in geological history, but it can happen in our lifetimes, and sometimes we see it. For broken pipes, look, a lot of our pipes have been in the ground for a long time. They're rusty, they're corroded, and they're at risk of failing at some point. How do people know that they're not sitting on top of a sinkhole? Look, if you live above a tunnel, there's always the chance that a tunnel... People wouldn't know that. How would they know? Well, I guess if you live above one of the one of the main arterial tunnels on the road, you've probably got some idea there's a tunnel under or a train line under you. Yeah. But, but look, the, the truth is those tunnels are designed really, really well and there's a very, very low, I'd say negligible chance any of them are going to collapse, so we're all good there. Yeah, you say um, that now. Yeah, I say that with confidence now. We've got very good geotech engineers in this country. They, they look after us pretty well. You know what's been most surprising to me is not the number of sinkholes that have occurred, but the number of people who are deadly scared of them. I'm and not I surprised. Back, but why? Well, because you're lying I, in bed at night... Watching the reruns of Big Sky with Gary Sweet. The next thing, you're 22 feet underground. I live in a house in Newcastle that's about 15 metres above a coal mine that's been there for 100 years. Every now and then somebody's backyard might settle a little bit and they come along and they fix that up. But look, everything's nicely designed, everything's nicely sort of understood. Um, Yes, there's always a chance that someone will get a a sinkhole in the backyard, but people in my neighbourhood don't lose sleep over that. It's it's just one of those things that you're aware of. And yeah, people don't need to worry. I don't lose sleep. if I'm happy, then I think the rest of Australia can, can be happy too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Stephen. You're very welcome. So there you go. Stephen says that we don't have to worry about sinkholes. Nothing to worry about. Phew. That is a relief. However, that means now I can continue worrying about spontaneous combustion. Oh, yeah, there's that. Everybody's talking about Donald Trump and the way he eats his KFC. People have called him a maniac and they say he's not fit to be the leader of the free world. And that's probably not the reason why I can think of at least a dozen other reasons. Because he eats his KFC with a knife and fork. That's not even possible. I've heard this. But I want to open up the phone on this one and ask you this, Sammy X. Mrs. Ugly eats her pizza with a knife and fork. So? Really? Yeah. You don't eat your pizza with a knife and fork? I was about to call you bloody un-Australian there, but I mean, that would actually Without be literal. We, yeah. yeah. So let me open up the phone on this. No, of course you cannot eat a pizza with of a knife you and can, fork. Of course you can, because you've got your side salad. What's and... wrong with you? Are you a savage? <laughs> You're the savage. As the years went by and the child grew to maturity, he found himself possessed of amazing physical power. Now that's a face for radio. And now... The Rubber Room. Triple M. I spoke to Michael Jackson's former doctor, 
Dr. Conrad Murray, who's just written a book called This Is It. Now, he was the guy that went to jail. He was connected with the death of Michael Jackson. He's written a book giving his side of the story. I started off by asking Dr. Murray his thoughts on what happened the night with the paramedics and, uh, of course, everything that led to the death of Michael Jackson. What I described with the paramedics in the book is the way that they performed, which was absolutely less than I would expect. They were very incompetent, but they're not responsible for Michael's passing. So do you think that Michael could have been saved? Depends on when he was discovered. It depends if you find someone quickly after cardiac arrest or anything of the sort, the earlier the better. So if you get there and let's say he was out for about three minutes, that means for every minute he's out, there's a 10% chance of mortality. There would have been a 30% chance of that he would die. 70% he would survive. But what if he is out for 15 minutes or even 20 minutes before I discovered him? The chance of mortality would have soared over 100%. I imagine you would have been in a difficult situation as well where he was asking for the propofol and it would have been difficult for you as his doctor to deny him what was obviously something that was helping him. The very first time he asked for propofol, I was very surprised that he was using something like that. I didn't like it. Propofol is not addictive, but what I had to do was to get his mindset. You don't need this. You need to get rid of this. I had to gradually lower the dose until he was off. And we succeeded at that up to three days prior to him passing. Do you believe that Michael Jackson was a drug addict? Oh my gosh, there's no question about it. If you look at the the short part of his medical record as clear testimony in the trial, evidence, and it showed that on certain days, Michael Jackson was receiving as much as 975 milligrams of Demerol. Let's put that into perspective. If you came into the emergency room to see me and you had broken bones from an accident, I can get rid of all of your pain and have you sleeping in no time with about 50, maximum 75 milligrams of the medication. 975 milligrams? That means he's an addict, he was tolerant. Do you think that Michael was administering his own sedatives as well as the sedatives that you were giving him? I think no question. I mean, sedatives for sure. He goes into his exclusive master's bedroom and if you look at what was found in there, Mm. open vials of lorazepam. The concentration in Michael's stomach of that medication was four times the amount that they found in his bloodstream. It seemed that it was a very grueling tour that he was going to do. Do you think he was physically ready to do the amount of work that they wanted him to do? No, Michael was clearly not in, in that mood. He had no choice. He was penniless. Right. He was homeless. He was a nomad. He was moving from hotel room to hotel room. Friends were doing him favours. Mm. And his children were tired of that. Where do you think the money went? Because he made so much money throughout his career. Where did it all go? Well, a lot of it was stolen, actually. He fired his nanny. He fired um, his other uh, employee. It's all in the book. And found out that these women had adjacent condos in Las Vegas, a very high-rise luxury condominium system. How did they pay for it? They did not have the money, but it was paid for in cash. There was nothing overhanging. Michael's money was being moved. You say in the book that there was more about Michael Jackson's stories that we've never been told. For example, Michael used to dress up as a clown to go and meet random women. Things like this you were privy to as well. Were there a lot of things that you would classify as strange behavior? Michael had never had an experience of going to a strip club. But everybody talks about strippers and dancing exotically. He wants to get that. Talked about it. He said, well, maybe it should have to be come over. There's not sex involved. It's entertainment. I said, no, let's not do that. That's too risky. I, I don't like it. You know, somebody comes here and they realize who you are. 
this problem. He agreed with me. So what we did, you know, we, we found a hotel that was not too much upscale like the Bellagio or any of those. I was the financer and the one who paid attention to the girls entertaining Michael. Yeah. There was no space. They just danced. He had a hell of a good time. Talking to Dr. Conrad Murray, who was Michael Jackson's doctor, about his book, This Is It. And I was saying to him there's a fair bit of controversy as well, especially in the last couple of weeks since the release of the book. What's in the book is my word, that's it. It's not, it doesn't go beyond that. Sure. You know what surprises me about Michael Jackson is, you know, he seemed to indulge in a lot of really re- reckless behaviour. When you consider that he was one of the most famous people in the world, it surprises me that there was nobody there to actually say to him, look, this is going to get back, this action that you're doing is going to be misinterpreted, or would he just not listen to what people were telling him? No, I don't think Michael was one who would not listen. Michael will do what Michael wants to do. Take a lot of discussion and encouragement if he wants to listen to you to get him to change his mind or something like this. Mm. He was very remarkable. What about all of the allegations which had emerged while he was still alive and, you know, emerged after his death as well? Do you think that a lot of these allegations hold much water? Is there much weight in any of this stuff? Well, you know, it's, it's actually nice talking to you. You sound like a very intelligent man and you, you, you're thinking. There's a lot of speculation. People do not know Michael Jackson. To know Michael Jackson, you have to come into his life. You have to be there with him every moment of the day like I was. You have to sit with him, talk with him, laugh with him, sing with him, see him cry, see him crouch in the back of my car, climb over the seat when we pass the fans, see him chuckle, see his pain, and hear his stories. That book does give you that presence. Don't worry about what has been said. I have said things, and even though my book is out there, people are misquoting and saying, this and that, and Michael was looking for prostitutes, it is false. Going back to your question, I can tell you that all of the claims that were made against Michael Jackson with these young boys are false. This book is not an attack on Michael. This book is to show the world once the truth that bad things have happened to Michael and who did it. For the time that you had to spend in jail as a result of the medical malpractice lawsuit and everything that happened like that, are you angry? <laughs> I, was, I mean, the last seven years have been a nightmare. I could be driven to anger. But that would make me a very ignorant man, like many people would like to see. I am not there. I try to take the high road and go above that and continue to do everything I can to have members of society, humanely. I do that every day. The book is called This Is It, The Secret Lives of Dr. Conrad Murray and Michael Jackson. Thank you so much for your time. Same here, and all the best. Good battle of McLeod tonight. Going to be Stone Temple Pilots, or is it going to be Alice in Chains? Hey, Todd, how are you? I'm great, Phil. How are you, mate? Good to talk to you. What do you got? Uh, Alice in Chains by a long shot, my friend. Why a long shot? Is it... Well, Wayne Staley and Jerry Cantrell, the harmonies those two can produce with completely different voices, phenomenal. Yeah, I totally agree with you. However, Stone Temple Pilots vocally were pretty good as well, especially when you hear Plush. Well, yep, Plush is a great song, but they only really had one phenomenal album, and that was Core. Purple was good, but the rest were pretty average, whereas Alice in Chains, most of their albums have got at least six or seven good songs on 
That's a good point. And you know what I love about Alice in Chains as well is you can immediately tell by the bass line that it's them. Oh, for sure. A bit like for Tool. Sure. Miles, how are you? Hello. How's it going? Todd said Alice in Chains. You're saying? Stone Temple Pilots easily. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Why is that, man? I'm not even their biggest fan or anything, but they're just, they, they do the most powerful out there. You forget about all this really heavy metal stuff, the lyrics. The way that they put stuff across, it's like the stuff Queen did, the real heavy stuff that's powerful music without being fresh metal. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. What a shame as well that both of those lead singers are no longer with us. Oh, totally. Craig, how are you? Yeah, good, Phil. Yourself, mate? I'm all right. I'm looking forward to playing either one of these two bands. Well, you know, I'm preferring Alice in Chains if I had a choice, but it's up to you. Alice in Chains, it has to be. I'm sorry. It's um, the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Why is it you like them more than Stone Temple Pilots? I love Stone Temple Pilots as well, but um, Alice in Chains were just more um, messed up. Cyan, who do you fancy? Uh, I'd have to say uh, Alice in Chains on this because, uh, you know, Stone Temple Pilots are a bit, uh, you know, worn out these days, I think. But, um, you right. know, Alice in Chains is still going, you know. Um, <laughs> That's it. Well, I'll put them down for a tick and we'll find out in a moment. Can I just mention uh, my band, by the way? On the, on yeah, the of course you can. Right? What are they called? Uh, Simon, S-I-M-E. Right, and what kind of music is it? Uh, it's sort of black metal you know, all along the lines of the stuff you play and all that. It's sure. just, uh, just coming out. I've just got like 52 songs on YouTube. Yeah, just started up a Facebook page, so I'm on YouTube and Facebook now. And um, uh, Simon Walker S. I-M-O-N-W-A-L-K-R. It's just on YouTube. Just go to the YouTube link and it's on there. All right, appreciate that. People should check it out once the Rubber Room's over. Go to the Rubber Room Facebook page, MMM Rubber Room. You can vote on that. Can people vote on Twitter or have we gone past that stage now? We've gone past that stage right. now. Okay, still on the phone on one triple three five three for about the next five minutes. And yep. how are those votes looking? Is it but even Stephen or is somebody leading the way? Uh, someone is leading the way by quite a bit. Hey, Gazzo, let's talk about this shambles that is the Marilyn Manson live show at the moment. The general consensus is that... Uh, uh, it's a mess of a live show. Marilyn's been taken to the stage either allegedly drunk, seemingly slurring his way through songs. There is a video of him sounding a little I- incoherent. Uh, he apparently is moaning. He's struggling to remain upright. He's yeah. um, playing around with equipment. And, um, yeah, he's just making a mess of his songs like the beautiful people. You can't mess that up. Apparently there's and video of him falling around. Let's see if we can have find that. Have you seen that. it? Yeah, have a listen to this. In this bit, you'll hear him singing badly. In fact, you can hear the audience singing more than he does. Then he goes over to the sound desk and turns everything up and then he falls off stage. So that's him singing in there somewhere. Messing with the sound desk. Now there he is, he's fallen off. Sammy X was telling me when she last saw Marilyn Manson when he was at Soundwave last, she said it was just average. He was just going through the motions. That's a shame, but if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Don't deprive people of good money. Apparently, though, you know the people he's touring with, the lead singer of that band stepped up and made everything all right. Did you know that there are 7 billion people on Earth? Really? 239,000 of those are called Bernard Fanning. Really? However, there's only one Bernard Fanning we care about. And here he is in the rubber room. What rhymes with Fanning? I'm sitting here just jamming. 
I haven't done much planning, but I just can't seem to find anything that rhymes with fanning. I could have been outside tanning or panning for gold with Channing, but I just can't seem to find any more words that rhyme with fanning. Find any more rhymes for fanning? I can't find any more rhymes for fanning. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you. With your relationship with Nick, because you've yeah. worked with him so many times, do you feel really comfortable in the studio with him? And is that sometimes a drawback because you feel like surprising or challenging him on occasion? No, it's not a drawback at all. The last record I made, I intentionally went and made a record with a producer I didn't know and with musicians I didn't know. That was part of the idea. Because I'd spent my whole life making records with Powderfinger, yeah, yeah. with my mates. And then when I made Teen Sympathy, I had Bedge with me who was playing piano and fiddle and mandolin. And I just wanted to kind of try and see what happened the last time but I don't have any issue with trying to surprise Nick or anything I mean there's a certain amount of vanity in presenting a song to anybody yeah I, I guess, guess so and, and yeah. you want to impress them yeah of course you want people to like it I guess do. I thought because you had that long relationship that went back such a long way he knew what to expect from you so going into the studio perhaps you had something where you went right yes and wait no but, wait this. but because of the way we went around about doing this it's nothing like any record we've made before and especially in the way that we made it yeah. I mean, we didn't have any time pressure for starters. There's a new album coming out as well, the second part of this. Do they work together, or is it...? Yeah, that's the idea. We're, I mean, there was a lot of material there, and I didn't think that the 10 songs kind of told the whole story. There was more that we... I mean, we had recorded 15 or something. It just needed... I needed to kind of complete the story, or else it didn't feel like it was going to be finished. I mean, we could have just left it to hang over for a year and then released another record separately, I guess, and kind of made it a continuation but it feels like they should be together i'll let you go over there and do the live track you can see bernard fanning at the state theater in sydney october 22 october 31 in melbourne at the palais theater november 10 in brisbane at the tivoli and the album is out on friday as well thanks for coming in man thanks phil cheers our good mate rachel corbett's here tv radio and newspaper extraordinaire hey have you heard about this thing that some couples get involved in where they give each other a sex pass oh yeah i find this curious the statistics i find find curious the fact that women are willing to give their husbands a sex pass rather than actually make love to them. I always think this is a test. I think that Really? This, yeah. Ah. I think this is something that a lot of women do to appear like they're really easygoing. You know, like, oh, you know what? I get it. We're not having sex enough. It's totally fine for you to go out. But... Men be warned. I believe if you actually go and act on what you have been gifted by your partner, there shall be dire consequences. Yeah, so it's not really a gift, it's a trap. I think it's a trap. I really do think it's a trap because, okay, I don't want to tar every woman and man with the same brush, but, you know, I know we're different physically, but we're also a little bit different mentally. And I just don't – I know there are a few ladies that don't mind to go out there and have, you know, sex without meaning – but I just don't think that most of us are built that way. And while we want to be there and, and understand that our husbands need sometimes to get one away more often than we might. Yeah, sex without meaning is what it says on my business card. <laughs>
That's it. It's very easy for men. I just don't think truly at their very core, these women honestly want their blokes to go out and sleep with somebody else. Right. Well, here's the statistic according to the Journal of Family and uh, Marriage, mm. which incidentally, again, something great to read. You know, you're in Dubbo and it's four o'clock oh, really? in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently 16% of long-term couples aged 35 to 44 have little or no sex. One in four couples over 50 don't make love at all. There's the story of the 46-year-old that made excuses from about 6 o'clock just in case daddy came home feeling a bit loose. That's unsurprising to me. Sex can only be going on seven days a week for so long. And how long have you been single for, by the way? <laughs> I am in a relationship and my boyfriend is going to love me revealing yeah. all right now. Bad for, luck, buddy. I know. For women, it just gets a bit too hard basket after a while. You know, there's a lot of time and effort that needs to be put in. Sometimes once you know you're in a relationship with someone, you live together. Uh, I don't know. It's not like the excitement's gone, but it just does take a little bit to sort of get going. Okay, I believe, though, that, and you're probably right, this may be a trap, but it also may be sincere. Look, I don't mind if you, you know, make love to another woman as long as there's no emotion in it. Hey, no problem, baby. Yeah, and, and this is no problem for men, but yeah. this is why it's very difficult for women to compute because even though you go out and have sex and say it's emotionless, as a woman, that's very hard for me to understand. Right, okay. Even though it's your idea. Even though it's my idea. See, this is why it's a minefield, yes, Phil. Damn. <laughs> you're damned if you do, This is you're a hologram <laughs> living inside an enigma. Somewhere in a forgotten room, a brilliant idea laid gathering dust. What's on your mind? A love song? A message for that special someone? That's why we're here. The Rubber Room. Triple M. Don't know if this has ever happened to you, Sammy X, but last night I farted myself awake. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, and I know it, it's happened a couple of times. And I never know quite what to say to Mrs. Ugly because, I, you know, you're never quite sure whether or not you've actually farted yourself awake or you've imagined it. Or dreamt it. Yeah, you're not sure. But you, you have a pretty good 87% possibility that that just happened. And then you don't want to go, hmm, maybe, and, and you know, because the thing is with a fart, it takes three or four seconds for the smell to actually reach you. It doesn't matter how much you've eaten or not eaten. It's still got that time. So... You think, shall I say something now or shall I just let it go to the keeper? Can I just say, you've put a lot of thought into this. Well, of course, you're lying in bed. And it's, the thing is, do I make an immediate reaction? Which I normally do, like, oh, uh, uh, the cat, something, I think. I heard the cat under the bed. That's what happens. Or do you go, was that you, honey? You know? Or I don't do think that say, would be a good well, idea to say that. Well, the thing is, you may not have actually farted. So I want to open up the phone on 13353. Have you ever farted yourself awake in front of your partner? And if you have... What's the right thing to say? Because maybe you've got something, a slogan or perhaps a way of getting you out of it. One triple three five three. what do you say when you fight yourself awake? Has this happened to you? It has happened to me. How many times? Couple. And the thing is, if you do fight yourself awake, you don't want to risk going, wonder if that actually was a fart and wasn't worth mentioning. I think you're best off to just jump immediately to the offence. So what's yours? I always blame the bed. We need a new bed. <laughs> Sounds like the spring's gone down near my foot. That's right. Steve, how are you? Good, mate. Yourself? What do you say? Oh, you woke me up. Oh, blame her. Exactly. Oh, as in the words of George Costanza, believe the lie. Exactly. She's going to say, what, what's going on? You fired it. And if she'd heard you do it, she'll then have doubts. She'll think, maybe exactly. I did do it. Or she'll immediately be on the back foot and go, no, it wasn't me. So who else was it? Wasn't exactly. Me. Take the bull by the horns. Exactly. Nathan, how are you, man? G'day, Dr. Ugly Phil. How are you? I'm okay, but I need your diagnosis on this one. Right. This is what I do, and it works every time. Yep. I fart, oh, I'm up, and I go, cornflakes. And she goes, oh, hungry. Oh, wow, yeah, and forgets I farted. <laughs>
Work every time. <laughs> so, next time I find myself awake, I just have to jump out of bed and say, Cornflakes! Cornflakes! Brilliant. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? You should win the Nobel Peace Prize for that. Oh, thank you, brother. I'll, I'll put myself up for it. <laughs> Mark, hey, what happened? It, mate, this time it was her that woke me up. Your girlfriend farted. And woke herself up. Yeah. And then I didn't have the heart to tell her it was her while she was getting angry at me and kicking me and going, you dirty bastard. What, she blamed you even though she did it and you were being chivalrous around it? Yes, I just shut my mouth and laughed my guts out. Yeah. I choked with, from the smell. It, like I said, it put me to shame. Wow, what do you think she'd eaten? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the uh, Maccas that night. Mm. Now, I don't want to get too scientific here or too specific because, as you know, it's a very highbrow show. But do you think, yeah. in general, percentage-wise, men's are worse than women's? Uh, I would say there's a possibility. Because I wouldn't think so. I'd think, you know, with men, I think, you know, the intestine uh, would probably be bigger. And that's, I've got no scientific fact of that. And I think, therefore, the bigger, the greater, the louder, the fuller, if you know where I'm coming from. Yes, but they seem to do the the little but silent and destroy our life. Oh, yeah, good point. That's it, yeah. Farty wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, Bill. Uh, is this working? <laughs> Testy, testies. <laughs> testies. This is Ugly Phil. Triple M, the rubber room. It's time for a scientific lesson. Get everybody in here. Pedro, the Mexican cleaner. Uh, Mr. Inappropriate. And Sammy X, let's start with you. Yes. You don't have any fillings, do you? I don't. So you were asking me the other day, what is the effect of biting on aluminium foil if you have fillings? It was weird that that came up in conversation just out of nowhere. Fortunately, Mr. Inappropriate is here. Why would you bite on aluminium foils? Sorry, it's not going to be it's, you. Uh, it's not going to be me either. <laughs> How many fillings have you got, Pedro? I, I think I've got three fillings. Yeah, okay. Are they the old-fashioned aluminium ones? I think so, yes. Right, okay, good. So basically what happens I'm if... Not, I'm not liking where this is going. Basically, if you bite on foil, you set up a battery in your mouth. Right, and this electrical current stimulates your nerve endings. Are you following me on this? Apparently, if you bite on it, it brings two dissimilar metals like foil and mercury and the fillings or the gold and the crowns together, and it causes an electrochemical potential or a voltage between the two. Did you follow that? Wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I get it. So, Mr. Inappropriate, I'm sure you'll agree with me that this is foil. Oh. Uh, yeah. And what we're going to get you to do <laughs> is I'll pass that over to Look you. Look at Pedro's face. Not, I'm going to get nervous. Pedro to bite on this foil. Why don't you give it to Mr. Opera? Why am I always the one Because ends up doing this? He's got I, to be the one that oversees it to make sure that it works okay. Next time we do this, he's doing it. Mr. Inappropriate bites on whatever you've got to bite. Why bite? Just rub it on somebody's now, metal come on. surface. This is a technical experiment, all right? Yeah, just rub it on. Okay, so now what happens is the electron will flow from the foil into the tooth when you put it on Pedro's tooth, right? Have you ever bitten on this before? Yes, I have. You know what's I coming know what's then, right? Going. I don't so, like you anymore, Mr. Huckley. And then what happens is it gets a current, right? Like an electrical current that goes into the root of the tooth via wow. the filling. Yeah, exactly. What? And it sets off an impulse into the root's nerve, which goes straight into the brain, and then the brain will intercept the impulse as pain. So it's not actually pain, it just thinks it's pain. If you think it's pain, isn't it still pain? Then? I don't know. We'll see whether or not when uh, Pedro bites. <laughs> 
that's how good that is, actually. Here's your foil right now. Can you put that in to, de- delicately, because we want this to be done professionally, into Pedro's mouth? Do you need me to hold Pedro back? Or? Do you want to strap him into a chair? Where are you going? To get under the desk. For no. How far in should I put it in? Place it gently over the top of the tooth there. That's the first time he's had to ask that question. Now, what we want you to do, Pedro, is explain to Sammy X what happens when the electrical current goes into the root of your gum. Can I put it in my mouth now? Yeah, okay. Put okay, it in. Here we go. I can't do that anymore. Oh, my goodness. He's gone red. You're hurting me again. <laughs> Similar feeling with jalapenos and chipotle. Uh-huh. Sammy X, would you like to put it into his mouth? No more, no. We put it in Sammy X's mouth. Doesn't be feeling. Do so do you understand how it works now? Oh. Very scientific, this show. Thanks for everybody that got involved in tonight's Battle of McLeod. Stone Temple Pilots up against Alice in Chains. A lot of votes tonight. Yeah, quite a lot of votes again. How many do you reckon? Uh, 98%. 98%. And of these... world. Thank you, Pauline Hanson. And of these 98%, what was the margin of error? What was the margin with the winning band? What does that mean? I don't know. Just give me some statistics. Because I've been here for over 12 hours, so... Yeah, don't say 98% because we've done that. Uh, Yeah. Was it close? No, it wasn't that close. It wasn't as close as I thought it was going to be. Put it this way. Okay, so Alice in Chains or Stone Temple Pilots, the Battle of McLeod, the people have spoken. There can be only one winner. Stone Temple Pilots. Wow! Stone Temple Pilots take out tonight's Battle of the Cloud. Well done to them and everybody that voted as well. If you want to make a complaint, go on the Rubber Room Facebook page, because I will. You may find this a bit disturbing. He helped me. Go! The Rubber Room.